Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, friends. I'm back and going to tell you a little bit more about my adventures in commercial photography. But meanwhile, in 1987, I finally started writing again, which was great. So I had not had any journal writing all through Portfolio Center, through my wedding, all of that stuff. And I was trying to think about it and think, why didn't I do that? And I think that it's because when things are going well and things are moving along at a good clip and I'm focused and working and dedicated to something, I don't need the journaling as much. It's when I start to have doubts and fears and worries and trauma that I pick up the book again and I start writing. So that's really interesting self-discovery and useful. But I think now is the time to just keep writing no matter what. (laughs) You know, I realize I've been doing these podcast episodes, but I haven't been actually documenting my present life. And I am in sort of a weird limbo right now, waiting to see what the next chapter will be. As I go out into my writing residencies, that's going to be a huge change for me for my life, selling my house, getting out of New York. I have lived other places briefly. So I lived in Atlanta for two years. You'll see later that I live in Charlotte for under a year. But I always seem to come back to New York. My family's here. You know, my grandmother was here. My mom is here. My mom is not leaving. No matter what I tell her, (laughs) she's not going. But this area is very expensive and very cold. (laughs) I hate the cold, as I've said. So there are a couple of reasons for me to go. The weather and the cost of living are ghastly as far as I'm concerned. So it's time to go again. Let's see how long I last this time. (laughs) In any case, we were living in Hoboken, as I said, but we would also go out to Palisades for the weekends because Hoboken is a city and Dave is not really a city person. And I was discovering that neither was I. I liked the excitement of things that you could do in the city, going out to Broadway and going to restaurants that are just down the street any old time and going to get a drink and going to have a slice of pie at your favorite pie place. But I didn't like the leisure times that I spent there, like during the days on the weekends. So we started going out to Palisades to my mom's quite a lot on the weekends. One of the other things that I did in April of 87, which was a huge thing and crazy because, again, I was 26. It couldn't have been that bad. But I have a confession to make here. I got liposuction. Oh, just saying that is just awful. 
but I, at tender age of 26, decided that I was going to have the fat sucked out of my thighs. Ugh, yuck. And it was a very new process at this point, but we had a lot of friends who were doctors and such, and so they were like, yeah, yeah, you know, gave us a referral to this plastic surgeon. And I actually got a discount on it, I think, because I agreed to get filmed you know, for my my surgery to be filmed so that they could use it for instructional purposes and stuff like that. So discount liposuction. Oh, why? Oh, sweet baby. Sweet little 26-year-old Diana. Why? Why did you do these things? Anyway, so there I was in April of 87. I had taken a little time off from my carrying of giant portfolios But I did have my steady job at Tony Edwards Studio. And so they, you know, I told them I needed to take a couple of weeks off for a surgery. And they didn't know what that entailed. But they were like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, you can come back after. No problem. So there I was. And here is a day from my diary at the driving range with Dave. The driving range. Time to get out some of my trash for the compost to keep sifting. By that I mean put some things down on the page so that my brain can offload some stuff. Dave's hitting balls. I'm sitting on a beach chair feeling tired and old and nauseous. Time for a few nasty observations on other people. I don't know why they come out that way, but they often do. Take the old guy next to Dave on the right. Geriatric type, blue jeans and hush puppies, dreaming he's Arnie Palmer. If that's your tee shot, buddy, you might as well give it up right now. Oh, mean, nasty. And then I'm commenting on Dave. Nice one, babe. He's so cute in his jams with his little legs sticking out the bottom and his little rolled down socks. Adorable. Spiked haircut. Wish he would gel it up and be really radical, though. That's the other side of him that only comes out once in a while. The prince side. Doing strange things in the bathtub at parties. (laughs) There is a picture of that that I will definitely post on Patreon. (laughs) And then here I'm talking about my mom's assistant. Robin was just here. What a bod. What I wouldn't do for such a bod. What I have done. I hope I'm not disappointed in this crazy venture. I don't want to be disfigured and disgusting. The bruises don't disgust me right now because I know they'll go away, but the swelling scares me a little because I wonder how much is swelling and how much is still me. I don't want to be lumpy anymore. I want to be able to take a pair of pants off the rack and know that they will fit just by the size. Is that narcissistic? Yes, probably. A narcissism that grows from my culture. Blame, blame. Whose idea was it anyhow that women should be thin and curveless? That's not the way our bodies were meant to grow. Curves are beautiful. And hopefully the curves that I'm left with after all of this will be the ones that I was meant to have. So I think this was just an impulsive thing that, I don't know, just came out of my long struggle with being overweight my entire, entire life. I had been on one diet or another ever since 1976 or something. There are places in my diary where like, I had an apple for lunch. Okay. Feeling virtuous. Very excited. Yeah, it was rough. And the time leading up to my wedding was very intense because I wanted to look fabulous, right? So it's actually at my wedding that I was the thinnest that I have been ever in my adult life, actually. So there was that. And I did go back to work kind of limping and whatever eventually. And they're like, 
I could see it in their eyes. They're trying to imagine what kind of surgery did you have? Yeah, but whatever. And it turned out okay, and I was happy with it for a while. But, you know, plastic surgery is a scary road, and I was always being tempted back to it, like, oh, I'm just going to fix this thing. Oh, I'm just going to fix that thing. And I didn't. I didn't. But I wanted to. In any case, on I went to the rest of my career as a photo assistant. And after working at Tony Edwards Studio for a while, I was still taking out my portfolio now and again to see if I could move my career along and have work in other places where I would be really, really inspired. Because I was getting this feeling from a couple of places, from the, both the David Brown Studio and Tony Edwards Studio, that there was a sense that really established people didn't really want to mentor at all. They didn't want to share their secrets. They didn't want to teach at all. They were like, you're a grunt and you're here to work for me and I don't have any responsibility towards you. And so it was starting to feel like this little world where you had to break through somehow, but nobody was going to help you. And I have in my later career and all throughout my teaching and all of that stuff, I really believe in mentoring and in helping younger people, the people who are trying to come up and rise to your level of expertise. I really believe in helping them get there and that that is the responsibility of the person who is the expert. But that is not what I was finding in the photography world. Until I came to land in this one studio where the photographer was just so much fun. And his name was Gregory Heisler. And he had a fabulous studio on Broadway, way down near Houston Street, Broadway and Prince. And so I was in the village and that was a very different neighborhood than being in the upper 20s where the photo district was. The photo district was awesome, don't get me wrong. I loved getting to know that area of town and feeling like it was my area, like every place you went in that part of town, there were photographers and photo studios and photographers taking clients out to lunch. And you could just tell it was buzzing with that. But Greg Heisler was on Broadway and Prince, and that was a wonderful neighborhood. I loved it so much. And I don't really remember my auditioning there, my bringing in my portfolio, but I do remember a couple of things about him. Now, so he was this funny dude who always wore a hat, a brimmed hat like Indiana Jones, and he had the tiniest pencil-thin mustache. I wish I had a pencil-thin mustache. Yeah, he was like, it was just the barest line over his top lip. And his wife was his studio manager, and she was tiny and fun and Australian and high energy and just really lovely. And I just loved the two of them as this combination. They were so neat and I loved working for them. And Greg told this great story about meeting her, actually, that he had gone down to Australia for a shoot and he was only supposed to be there for like four days or something. And he met her on the second day and they had this whirlwind day where they were just absolutely falling in love and that night at dinner he asked her to marry him and she said yes and it was incredible and he called up his brother and he was like I met this girl I'm gonna marry her and his brother goes did she see you without your hat yet 
That was it. And they did. They were married, and they had been married for 15 years or something when I met them, happily working together and still really committed to their relationship. I was really excited. So that was a wonderful example of marriage that works for me too, and on all of those high ideals like romance and stuff that I really believed in. And this one day, Greg came in without his mustache, and we were like, oh, what happened? And he's like, I slipped when I was shaving this morning and shaved off half of it. And I went in to show her and she was like, I don't even want to look at you until you grow that back. And she wouldn't speak to him until he had his mustache back. It was so funny. So he had to kind of grow the whole thing, the whole upper lip to be able to then shave it down to just the little line. (laughs) So we lived with him through a few scruffy days where he slept at the studio because he was in the doghouse big time. That was very funny. But he was really creative. And my friend David and I, he was an assistant who was just a little bit ahead of me also, you know, and real hustler. We set up this whole shoot for Greg at one point where he wanted to have a set that looked like a bombed out building. And David and I went dumpster diving and pulled out all these big old snarly pieces of wood and tons of bricks and we hauled them up to the studio and we built this wall it was crazy and I was like aren't there a lot of walls that look like this right outside our doors in the city but Greg liked to have sets he liked to have things built in the studio and it took us a long time I think it was like a week and it was just for a portfolio shot for him it wasn't even for a job But he was that well established that at this point he could just work on shots that were just creative and just fun. So he was very inspiring and I really liked working for him. And then there was this incredible incident in 1987 on the day of my birthday. So I was at Tony Edwards studio that day and I was supposed to meet my family for dinner and such at the end of the evening. And I was really excited and it was a really good day and we had a good day in studio and a wonderful shoot. And I came out of the studio to head off towards dinner. And just as I got out onto the street, there was this mob to my right on the next corner. And there was horrible shouting and screaming and crying. And there was this crowd that was gathered around something. And I went over because I was like, oh my gosh, very distressed. What is this? What's going on? And I went over and there was a man in a phone booth and it was one of these half booths that was open on the bottom. And he had the telephone receiver in his hand and he was beating the crap out of a woman who later turned out was his girlfriend. He was just beating her on the face and the head. And she was screaming and pleading and he was obviously very drugged out very altered and he was cursing at her and yelling and the people were just standing around and I was like is somebody doing something did somebody call anybody are are the police coming and they're like yeah yeah they're on their way and I just I couldn't wait for that because I couldn't watch this happen so I just screamed at him stop it stop it right now stop it And literally his hand froze in the air like, what? Someone's talking to me? And I go, stop it. You leave her alone. 
and he dropped the phone and he focused on me and he just turned and started coming after me like, you talking to me, bitch? And he just was like in my face. And I was like, you touch me. You're going to jail forever. Oh my God. I just stood up to him while this girl was picked up by a couple of other people, helped her to her feet, and she started running away. And I was like, okay, that's long enough. But I held my ground and just talked to him, and he was in my face saying the most disgusting, ugly things. It was very, very scary. And the mob was standing around me now and him as he kept coming at me and then walking away, coming at me and walking away and saying awful things. And finally, another guy tapped him on the shoulder because the police were taking so long to get there. And another guy tapped him on the shoulder because he's like, I got to save this girl. She's going to die. And the guy turned to him because he was obviously really considering the fact that he could not hit me, that he would get in much more trouble for hitting an innocent bystander. I don't know how the reasoning went in his head. But anyway, so he turned to this guy and he just swung. He started swinging at him, but he was really uncoordinated. And luckily for this other guy, and just then the police sirens sounded and somebody tackled the guy when he got distracted. So he was down on the floor when the police came up. And then I got interviewed by the police captain and and then was finally let go but that was a terrifying situation and it was one that I remembered and brought up again and again later on when I had occasions to think about violence in our theater work it was an example that I had lived through that left a huge impression on me so, wow, leaving you with that heavy bit today, but I will tell you more about adventures in Hoboken and all of my various twists and turns tomorrow. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye. Want to make some juicy passive income but don't know where to start? You need to check out Girls Trade 2. Girls Trade 2 is an online community of women learning to trade in the stock market so they can boost their savings and get off that dang hamster wheel of work, work, work. So if you want some help figuring out the stock market, check out a free web class at girlstrade2.com.